0: Now we are live. Hello and welcome to our Thursday live stream. Today we have a very special guest from overseas, um, Emma, wait a second, what's your last name? Emma Emma Tamir from uh, marketingbyemma.com, am I correct?
1: Yes, you are correct. Hello, welcome. I'm very happy to be here
0: nice to have you here um, maybe we deep dive directly into you and your person so please introduce yourself to uh, to the audience and why you're here and why we exactly picked you and not a, another person for the <laughs> topic we're going to talk about later
1: Sure. Yeah. So my name is Emma Shermer Tamir. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Marketing by Emma, and we specialize in helping brands really connect with and convert their dream customers through copywriting that helps brands differentiate themselves, communicate what, what makes them special, stand out in a very crowded market, and not just get people to want to buy their product, but really to become fans of the brand and want to Buy all the other things that you're selling and, and be with you for for the long run.
0: Thank you very much. And that's why we picked the topic for today: understanding North American customers. Because you're, because you're living in North America and you primarily serve North American customers. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, so it's it's we work with brands from all over the world. But what we really specialize is helping those brands communicate effectively with American customers. And it's really interesting to me over the last, we we started our business at the end of 2016. So we've been doing this for over six years at this point. And oftentimes I see that there are a lot of misconceptions about what marketing is supposed to look like for an American audience. And it's just one of those things that if you're not here, and if you're not sort of dialed in with the culture, then it's very easy to have a disconnect. And you could be really uh, missing out on opportunities to develop your brand, develop the relationships that you have with your customers, and take your business to the next level. So Happy to kind of dive into a a conversation topic that I don't see people having a lot. And I think that it should definitely be happening more. So excited to dive in.
0: I made the same mistake. So for me, the American customers they they want a the super shiny, colored stuff, flashy, and uh, reduced here and discount there, and big big signs of percentage. But uh, <laughs> when we were discussing up front uh, what we were going to talk about, you said it's not like I was thinking that it is. Um, That's why we want to clarify this for uh, the (laughs) audience. But maybe one or two sentences, how we actually met. You did not meet me. Uh, You met my uh, co-founding colleague, Manuel, uh, the Prosper in Vegas. Um,
1: Yeah. So I think actually our partners met. So my partner is also my husband. His name is Erez, And he, I believe and your partner, met and had a great conversation and sort of led to us having great conversation and now here having a conversation for everybody to be able to uh, participate in.
0: So they met and they sent us to in front of the camera so that we actually (laughs) discussed the business stuff. Great. Uh, (laughs) All right, Emma, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you came up with your business. You, You... told us uh, six years that you're doing that already maybe why you started all this and how how this how this happened why you're exactly doing what you do right now
1: yeah so i have a marketing background before i started my own business entered into the world of entrepreneurship or um, got into the world of amazon in particular because that is really where we do the majority of our work. Uh, so the way that I got into it is really has to all be attributed to my husband, Ares, who uh, on our second date, he said, I don't know what the future for us holds, but I see a lot of potential in you and I can see how miserable you are at your job. I know a lot of people. Let me introduce you to some people. Let me send your resume. And I was like, no, that's so embarrassing. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> And it wasn't until after we had already gotten married and moved to the United States that he began really pushing this idea of e-commerce and more specifically Amazon. And I was still like, absolutely not. And then I was on a business trip doing sales and marketing for a health and wellness company. And I guess leaving Ares by himself for five days was not the best idea because when I came home, he had a list of all these people. And he said, okay, all these people would like to speak to you on Monday. They are interested in working with us. And I'm like, what am I supposed to say? I'm not a salesperson. I'm really bad on the phone. Uh, And so I was like, I I don't know how to do this. He's like, you'll figure it out. It's fine. And then I definitely did not. And bungled (laughs) most of those calls. I think I was crying and like, I'm not getting on one more phone call. And Then he agreed that maybe he would be the one getting on the calls and I could focus on on the other side of the business. So, you know, actually figuring out how to deliver the work and the operations and team Mm -hmm. and all of those things. And you
0: said six years ago, have you been like, early in the market because if you would start that kind of business six years ago in Germany, you would would be like a super early bird. Uh, What about the States? wasn't everything like two years before or how how was the development?
1: Yeah, it was pretty early. The most options were go to Fiverr and get something (laughs) pretty mediocre. There were not uh, many people offering what we offered. And I think a big part of that is because also – the Amazon landscape looked really differently than it does Mm -hmm. today. So it was way less competitive. The trend was still to, if you were given 500 characters per bullet, you used all of those 500 characters. You were, you know, stuffing in a lot of keywords. Even the keyword tools that were available were far less sophisticated. Uh, A plus content was really uncommon for people to be doing and looked very clunky uh, and and the brand registry process was much more of a chore and something that you would wait a really long time to be able to get approval for so yeah it was a, a very very different world than compared to what it's become today
0: when we started selling on amazon 2016 so also six years ago there was not even a brand registry so it did not even exist these days and yes. they developed it uh, 2 years 3 years later and then and there was no no uh, a plus content so we saw it live how it developed and how it how it came up
1: yeah a plus content was really ugly when it first started it was like is this even a good idea <laughs> yeah.
0: But now it developed to, uh, yeah. to Much uh, more
1: sophisticated.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a big update for, for, for your listing. Um, yeah. When we started selling, you could actually buy reviews or you, you could buy reviews, not really buy reviews, you could get reviews and ranking at the same time. So you, you gave 90% discounted products to an audience and the people bought the products through some link and then you got ranking and reviews, <laughs> verified reviews at the same time. <laughs> So most people which are watching this would <laughs> cannot even imagine that things were in the past like that. Um, but the world changed a lot, and now we have to be yes. a, a bit more professional, and things are harder. Um, but when you get them, then you have a big advantage in the market, and that's why I would suggest to deep dive into the topic, um, understanding North American customers with the I would say motivational part: why and how copywriting impacts other parts of your business?
1: Yeah. What a big question, but what an important question to have. When we're talking about Amazon, which I'm going to use that as what I'm talking about, but really all of this could apply to any marketing efforts that you have. Mm -hmm. It's just that in Amazon in particular, how you put your listing together has an even bigger impact because that is really potentially the only Opportunity you have to speak directly to your customer. They could go to your website, but they're not always going to do that. And so your listing becomes your one shot to actually communicate all of the important information to not only convince them to buy your product but to build trust to try to get them to you know maybe look at your the rest of your catalog so it it really is very significant and then when you talk about you know the ways that amazon selling has changed over the years and it was so much easier and it was so much less expensive and now it, it you know everything is more expensive from the fba fees to the ppc costs to just the need for more sophisticated marketing. And so what copywriting, good copywriting can also do is it can make all of those other things more effective. So it's it's very tempting whenever you're not having enough sales to say, okay, let's just send more traffic and that will fix everything. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that if you haven't optimized to convert that traffic, then you're throwing a lot of money away. So if you first figure out how to make your funnel stronger, convert more of the customers that you're already getting through your traffic, and then send more traffic, then you're making your whole operation more effective. You're lowering the cost of customer acquisition, and you're making your business much, much stronger. And so that's kind of how copywriting can have an influence on so many different aspects of your business. And the other thing is, is that it's important to remember that it's not enough to actually get somebody to buy your product because it's very, very easy to return products in the United Mm -hmm. States. And so it's only really, it's even easier. Yeah. I've, I've read about, um, I was actually just at a, a conference last week, and a woman was talking about how in France you're not allowed to do final sale, so any product can be returnable. Whereas in the U.S., if something's on super clearance, it can say final sale, and you're it's not returnable. Mm-hmm. And apparently, that's that doesn't fly in parts of Europe. Anyway, here it's very easy. Some places in the world, it's not very easy. For example, I lived in in Israel, and in Israel. There are a lot of places that either you can't return things at all, or if you can, it's really complicated and it's not worth the hassle. And so it just kind of depends. Um, But because it's so easy for customers to just, you know, submit a return request, take it over to the UPS store, scan the QR code and, and be done with it, that and, And combining that with the fact that it's not always easy to make a good choice on Amazon. What happens is people might buy a few different options or buy something thinking, I'm curious, but I don't know if I truly want this thing. And then they'll only make that decision once it's home, once they open it up, once they see what it's really about. And so you don't want to be having a lot of people buying your product curious about it and then deciding that it's not for them and sending it back because that's going to impact uh, your um, your seller rating and could potentially open you up to a lot more negative reviews and all of those things are also going to then influence how you're ranking and how you're able to perform to get more customers in the door so there really are all of these uh, things that all stem back to, how you do this one piece well i have
0: also one fun fact for this one so shout out to vladi from Cellabot. that's in his value presentation um that's a controlling tool and uh, they have a lot of data and fun product with i would say average sales price of 20 euro and an average margin one return destroys two sales margin wise so if you have one return so if you have 10 returns and five, uh, if you have 10 sales and five returns, uh, you are basically, um, yeah, you don't make any money. So uh, wow. even, so it's even more important because as your seller, you obviously have to pay the return fee as well, too, as like the FBA fee basically twice. And this impacts the margin a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, hello, Dustin. Nice, Nice to have you here. Uh sorry for interrupting Emma please please.
1: No no uh and that's one of those things where you really need to be sophisticated about being able <clears throat> to look at your business and all the different aspects and make sure that you have your books in order and I'm not a I'm not an accountant I'm not a bookkeeping expert but it's you can use those numbers and then figure out what you can do in your business to improve those numbers. So if you're suffering from a lot of returns, there's a good chance that you're doing something wrong on the front end that is leading to those returns. So are you not being clear about who your product is and isn't good for? Are you overselling and overhyping your product and making it seem better than it actually is? Or are you getting the wrong kind of traffic? Like, are you actually getting people that are, would probably be looking for one thing, but actually you're sort of selling something else? And so there could be a few different things going on, but those are all relatively easy fixes that can make your business that much stronger.
0: An example for that one. If you have too many keywords, not relevant keywords in your listing, in the the beginning in 2016, you just put every keyword you can even imagine in your listing and everything was fine. But when you do it right now and you have not relevant keywords, from the beginning on, Amazon will send bad traffic to your product listing. You will not convert to traffic and your relevance will go down. (laughs) And this harms the algorithm On for the long term, so if you don't have a proper listing from the beginning on, Amazon will put you in some direction where you don't want to be, maybe because the keyword is not relevant for your product, and then your product will be punished forever. And in this situation, because we had it in the past with automated listing translations, because then you Mm, have not relevant keywords in the Spanish marketplace, and we are wondering why. The, the product's basically that you know it's just, it was just that because the relevance for the keywords was not there and it was a long term yeah were long term punishment for the listing.
1: Yeah. And on the reverse side, that's such a valuable time to take advantage of with the honeymoon period of Amazon's giving you the benefit of the doubt and giving you an opportunity to be able to get in front of customers that you might not otherwise be able to as a brand new product. And so it's not just to avoid the negative, although as human beings, our brains are kind of wired to be more motivated to avoid uh, loss than to achieve gains. So your example is, is is probably more motivating to people, but on the reverse side, If you can really launch strong right out of the gate and take advantage of that honeymoon period, then you can also capture that positive momentum and then really leverage that into a much more successful journey long term.
0: Now we know why we should have proper listings and optimized listing from the beginning on. And I already or we already teasered something we want to talk about uh, today. Um, the biggest, I have uh, some notes here, common misconceptions about the U.S. market and uh, its customers.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit of sort of this using over-the-top everything. So I I don't know how many of you are familiar with late-night infomercials. Um, they'd so, they still happen. Uh, and it's for, you know, those kind of miracle products. Like, this yeah. is the most incredible invention that ever existed, and it's going to revolutionize how you do laundry. And it's like laundry isn't exciting, but somehow when they're talking yeah. that way, you're totally captivated. And so... There's this assumption that that's how Americans want to be marketed to, and I think
0: fun fact about that one: in Germany, we actually watch the American (laughs) shows (laughs) because they just copy them and then they put a German German language over it. But they are originally from the states, and that's That's why we think like that. Yeah,
1: and so I think with all of this, what I really want to get. Uh, get all everybody thinking about is that there's nuance. So it's not that that style of marketing is ineffective or doesn't work, but it is not appropriate for every context and every customer. And the United States is a large country, not as big as China or India, but there are still, I believe, 360 million people that live here. And more than that, we are spread out over a vast continent. So traveling between states is like traveling between countries in Europe. And it's not just the distances that you're crossing. There are also a lot of cultural differences. So I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Missouri. That's where I grew up. And there, um, it's kind of known that trends take a lot longer to make it there. So if something's popular in California or New York, it could be months or maybe even years sometimes before it sort of makes its way to the Midwest. But we're also seen as um, very friendly people, uh, more traditional values, uh, families very important. Tastes may be a little bit blander, so people don't like you know spicy foods or mm. really adventurous uh, flavors, and of course. What is all of this? It's a it's a generalization and it's a stereotype because there are plenty of people in Missouri that want to be on top of the latest trends and that want to eat the spicy food and maybe even sort of don't really care about traditional values or being polite to other people. And so the interesting thing about selling online is it's sort it's the same as why the internet was so exciting and revolutionary when it first started um, catching on, and it allows you to connect with people that may not even relate to those that are around them. So let's say that you're selling a product and it is for um, people that are super into like let's say that you're selling a microphone but it's a microphone specifically designed for people that are super into um RPG computer games and it's not just all computer games like we're talking specifically about a certain type of computer games so it doesn't necessarily matter where you live or um you know, any of those types of details. Instead, it's figuring out who your customers are and what your customers care about and then finding the best way of facilitating a conversation. And Mm -hmm. an RPG computer game player is probably going to have a different style of communication that they resonate with compared to somebody that loves to play um, classic 90s or 80s games versus someone that's into playing the latest board games or
0: sport games. Oh, sport
1: games. Yeah. Or
0: opposite sport games versus RPGs that are totally different people. (laughs) (laughs) They they never play both games, basically.
1: (laughs) Right. And so I think the mistake that people make, and this isn't just about. People that aren't Americans. I think that this is a challenge that we all face as business owners, which is we need to say who our customers are. But the scary thing is that by saying that, we're also saying who our customers aren't. And the desire is to always want to sell to as many people as possible. But the broader you go, the less effective you're going to be at really connecting with your target customers.
0: I know one hundred percent it's not only about e-commerce. We have the same issues here at Spacecourse. Who is our customer? René is already smiling down there. Um, <laughs> how, to, how to communicate to the customers. Do we target the corporates? You want to have the corporates, but you also want to have the small terrorists when you have to yeah, we know one hundred percent what you're talking
1: about. Yeah, it's it's really challenging. And so yeah. You have those kind of larger level things. And so when you say, okay, well, our customers are Americans between the ages of 40 and 60. Well, what does that really mean? Because a single, um, recently divorced 50-year-old who just moved to Austin, Texas, is going to have a very different set of interests and um things that they are excited about and ways that they're communicating versus a 50-year-old who lives in Missouri who has three children who are getting closer and closer to college age and who is, you know, excited about being able to retire uh, in 15 years. Like those two people are totally different humans. And so if you're trying to appeal to both of them, then you're probably going to resort to this really over-the-top language, this kind of what we were talking about with this infomercial style of marketing. A lot of times now that can read as a bit dated. And because there is so much choice and because customers have the ability to find A product and a company that exactly aligns with their interests, it's going to be much harder to make that style of marketing be effective for you. Because if I'm shopping for, um, like an example that I like to use a lot is um, athletic clothing. Mm -hmm. And let's say that you're really interested in sustainability. So five or ten years ago looking for athletic clothing and a company that cared about sustainability, you wouldn't really have a lot of options. Patagonia would probably be the main company that you would be looking at because they were sort of revolutionizing this idea of making clothes that last a lifetime and Utilizing recycled materials and fibers to make their clothing, and even having uh, recycling programs. If you decided that something was no longer suiting your needs, and and there really weren't other companies that were doing that. Well, now if I want athletic wear that is sustainable-minded, that's not specific enough. I couldn't find tens, if not more. Uh, companies that all care about sustainability. And so then what happens, you have to niche down even further. And so you have to think about, okay, I sustainability is part of what we do, but what else? So then there's an example of a company like Girlfriend Collective, and they make uh, athletic wear with recycled ocean plastic, And that's not innovative in and of itself. But what they really care about and what you'll see reflected in all of their marketing is uh, inclusive, uh, being an inclusive brand that makes clothing for all different body shapes and sizes and colors and genders. And that is at the central core of who they're marketing to, and how they're marketing. And that really resonates with a lot of people. Versus you have another company, and I can never pronounce their name properly, but it's Worry, V-U-O-R-I. And they've become very popular in the sort of tech bro, athletic, where they make really soft materials. um, and, And it's more about that sort of, free lifestyle and um, and being kind of like effortlessly cool um, and, and lifestyle design. And so those are two, they look very different. The color choices that they're going to use are very different. The vocabulary that they're going to use is very different. It's going to inform the different channels that they use to market their clothing. And what's also very interesting is that you could be a customer of both, like I am. I own clothes from both of those companies because we're all dynamic humans and we all have different facets of our personality. And so that's where, when it can be really scary to think about, okay, this person isn't my customer. It's okay because we're not, you know, we're not one-dimensional humans.
0: Um, So a tip for, for the audience here, if, if I understood you correct, um, write down specific personas for your product and really optimize the listing and uh, the language and uh, yeah, language wording, copywriting to exactly that kind of personas. And don't be afraid if you lose customers with being too niche, right?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Perfect um, summary great <laughs> uh, great thank you because, as I said, we have the same challenges in the b two b area we we don't want to lose that kind of customer and that kind of customer and I guess in uh, thinking backwards, it costs us a lot of money to be like that to act like that, and I think we had we should have yeah. Mm-hmm should have changed our strategy a bit earlier than we, yeah, now we did change, but it was a bit, but uh, it's a a
1: learning process and it's an evolution. And it's also something where you get feedback from customers and they tell you what they like and they tell you what you don't, what they don't like. And you have conversations and you get to know the people that are really excited about what you're doing. And I think that Amazon sellers don't do that enough either is they sort of make all of these assumptions and then rather than questioning those assumptions or trying to seek out information, um, they just are kind of okay allowing that and moving forward and, and not digging any deeper. And there can be great value in having those conversations and questioning yourself and saying Are we doing the right thing? And then if not, also having the humility to say, okay, we made some mistakes and we can fix those.
0: I have so many examples where you're uh, 100% right about supplements, about um, bars I'm choosing when I'm going out. Um, you know, I don't choose the fancy with the bars which look too fancy because then I think they are not the right people in the bars or they are too expensive for the same service. So I go to the I would say fucked up bars more <laughs> li- likely because I think I need the blah, blah. There are so many examples with supplements. I wouldn't ever take like pharmacy looking like products, even though they are the same. There's uh, the same ingredients in there. I take more the, the pump. You know the um, the gym guy, like
1: bodybuilder, yeah,
0: bodybuilder stuff. Even though it's the same, and maybe it's even cheaper. So yeah, there are millions of examples uh, where this is just true. What you what you said, and um, what you're
1: saying is interesting, right? Because you have all these things that you're not interested in, but yeah. there are a lot of people that are the opposite. Exactly. And yes. it might be that I know that you just congratulations again for having a child. But let's say that you're single. Well, even if you don't like fancy places, maybe you want to impress someone that you're taking out on a date. So even though you know that you don't really like it, you know that this is going to be a great place to go because they're really going to like it. Like, I I love that you give that example because I just moved to Las Vegas. And one of the criteria that I use about choosing a restaurant or a bar Is I don't want to go to somewhere that has too many reviews. Because in my mind, if it's like in the thousands, it's probably Probably. more touristy and kind of overhyped and isn't necessarily going to be the vibe that I'm personally going to enjoy. Like I have I get more excited about hidden gem types of places that feel undiscovered, that feel more local, that don't feel like so generic. Um, and so we all do those things but then yes. maybe i have a friend that's coming to visit and i know that they really like some of those things then that then i'm gonna look at those and say yeah this could be the perfect place
0: and you're uh, suddenly the right person for this and <laughs> you go yes
1: exactly <laughs> <laughs>
0: um okay so let's move Forward with the next question on my cheat sheet here. Um, general difference between USA, Canada, and UK because a lot of our customers are also selling in the UK, but not that many are selling in the States. And there are big differences, I know that, <laughs> uh, but maybe you're more, yeah, you're deeper in, in, in the topic. So,
1: yeah, I had no idea how different UK. Um, vocabulary and slang uh, and cultural references were until I moved to Spain. And shortly after I graduated college, I moved to central Spain to teach English. And in Spain, like in a lot of Europe, the English that's taught is UK English. And so I was totally like, I was like, all right, this almost feels like a different language. These yeah. words are totally different. The, um, how you use them is totally like just everything is totally different. Like, for example, pants, which we use to mean like trousers. trousers. Well, it means underwear in UK English. So it's, you know, that has a pretty different meaning if you're trying to say underwear. Um, or sorry if you're trying to say pants like what everybody yeah. sees versus underwear what only uh you know select few see then that you want you want to be aware of all of those things and in some ways it's like a good example of i think in general the challenge that we face in business which is you don't know what you don't know, and sometimes you don't even know what question to ask to find the answer. Yep. And so there are such huge differences uh, that it go beyond even just the language. You know the the UK has the royal family, and they have their own cultural icons, and they have their own fashion sensibilities. And even the way that uh, homes are designed is different. Like, I didn't know, but there are certain lo- laws of how far an outlet needs to be from a bathtub in a bathroom in the UK.
0: That's so Europe. <laughs> That's so in the
1: US, there's apparently a law of how close an outlet needs to be to the sink in a bathroom. Oh, so if you sell a product that somebody wants to use at the mirror in their bathroom and you're selling it to the U.S. and the U.K., it's not just about the plug type. It might actually be how long the cord is because if it has to be six feet away from the bathtub, then you might need a really long cord to be able to reach to the sink Versus if you're selling something in the US, you don't want this really gigantic cord that's just going to be bulky and annoying and create a lot of extra space. And so that's actually going to the product design of something. But that would even be reflected in the marketing and how you're showing somebody using the item. Because if you're just having the same pictures across all of your um, all of your product pages, regardless of where they are you might not know that the pictures you're showing don't reflect what a home looks like to somebody that lives somewhere else.
0: Is, is the, Do you have the same difference between the States and Canada, or is it way more similar?
1: There are a lot more similarities between the US and Canada, but there are still cultural differences. I would say in some ways, it's more similar to thinking about... Um, Canada is another state and that the language is a lot more similar, Mm -hmm. but then in Canada, you have to consider the fact that packaging needs French on it. And
0: yeah, true. So
1: yeah. So there are some of those types of things. Um, you know, I'm not an expert and on all things, Canada, um, but there definitely are things that if you are selling to the Canadian market, especially depending on what you're selling, then you, you're you going to want to make sure that your communication is targeted to them.
0: So you would definitely challenge your American list or your UK listing if you want to go to the other marketplace.
1: Yes, without a doubt. And the same goes for Australia and New Zealand. You know, they're all part of those <laughs> English-speaking um Places, but each one has its own separate set of considerations that you want to be mindful of and really making sure that somebody involved in the marketing is an expert in that space Mm -hmm. so they can kind of see all of the bigger picture. You know, maybe you're really zoomed in and they can help zoom you out so that you see everything that you need to see.
0: So for each marketplace, uh, separate keyword research. Am I correct? And yeah, separate um, like copywriting process.
1: Right, right. Because the uh, like the the words that people are searching are going to be different. So yeah. cookie versus biscuit, or I think a pram is what you call a stroller in the UK. Um, crisps or chips like those are just some of the words that come to mind but oh and pants and trousers so all Mm -hmm. of those things if you're not using the correct kind of root words then you're going to be missing out on a lot of potential uh traffic opportunities
0: all right, thank you very much for that insights. Because uh, your person is so interesting, I prepared also some special, <laughs> uh, special questions um, about or yeah for you. And uh, to wrap this all up, um, and the first question is, what Emma, what would you recommend recommend to your younger version, let's say ten years ago?
1: Yeah. I think I would recommend to my younger version what I'm still trying to tell myself all of the time, which is just, it's, you know, the Nike slogan, right? Like, just do it. Like, just do the thing. Even if you mess up, um, I really struggle uh, with perfectionism and feeling like anything that I put out there has to be the best. And the problem with that is, is that you always have to start somewhere and your starting point is not always going to be perfect. And so if that's kind of how you choose to make your decisions, then you're really going to limit your ability, not only to do the things that you want to do, but to grow and actually get better. So that, I mean, that was a conversation I literally just had two days ago with my business coach and what I, would, I think I, I really wish that I would have internalized more in all areas of my life, not just even in business, but just kind of as a human being in the world, being okay with kind of just doing things, even if they're not 100% perfect.
0: And improve with iterations. We have this kind of stuff in our software development. So we switched the process from doing super perfect software from from scratch to okay let's just make it and then ask the customers <laughs> how they like it and in on the, the first uh, hand uh, on one hand it improved our like speed of new features like um, software development in general actually <laughs> the quality as well because we Shoot something out, and then we improve the feedback of the people which is actually using it. It's just one example. It's it. I guess to have many parts of life, not only in business. Yeah,
1: it's it's so true because you know it. It kind of even relates back to the conversation that we were having about marketing, which is that you you start off by making a lot of assumptions about something or someone. And the only way that you're going to actually be able to figure out if those assumptions are right is if you put something out into the world. And so if you spend all of this time and all of these resources perfecting a feature for your software that it actually turns out nobody wants or that you went the totally wrong direction, then to backtrack and and redevelop and do all of that. Is going to take way more time, it's going to take way more resources, and it's, you know. And frustration, frustration. And frustration and, and negative experiences from the customers, whereas if you're open and honest and say, this is still in development, we really welcome your feedback because we want to make this as good as it possibly can be for you, People are eager to be able to provide their feedback and to help even influence the shape of how something is going to look uh, and take in the future.
0: Thank you very much. That was a good <laughs> good tip to your younger Emma, um, <laughs> because now you're living in the States and in the States you have always this um, super American question. Uh, Emma, tell us one fuck-up story <laughs> where you learned a lot. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I fuck up every day,
0: <laughs> we all, all, do, we all, do
1: all the many. time. <laughs> <laughs> like even um Ares came home last night and he'd been with a group of people and he's like you know it's just amazing how as humans we just feel like we're constantly fucking up all the time with everything and you think that it's just you like you think that you're living in this world yeah. where everyone else has it all figured out and you're just this loser And actually, that's not the case at all. So I have many, many things that I've messed up with over the years. I think one of the things that like just sticks out to me when this question is asked, it was a long time ago. Um, But, okay, actually, you know what? I'm going to say something else. Okay, well, I'll share both of them now because people are (laughs) are probably talking about. So what I was going to say happened a long time ago and it was – um, when we hired our first accountant and I didn't really know what a role of an accountant was. And so in my mind, I think I was imagining that an accountant was more like a CFO where they're going to be making all of these different recommendations for you and helping you make financial decisions and didn't realize that in in a lot of ways, it's a much more passive uh, kind of role and it's really more focused on the tax side. And so because of that, I didn't know that I needed to be as involved as I needed to be in kind of reporting different pieces of information. And so as a result, we had missed out on an opportunity to register as a certain type of business earlier than Mm -hmm. like we ended up doing it later, which meant that we had a larger tax exposure for a period of time. So there was a kind of painful financial repercussion of of not doing that. So that was the, the example that I was going to share. But um, I think I've learned from that. <laughs> but the what I'm still really working on right now is, um, and it's a constant thing that causes me to mess up all the time, is to not try to do everything myself. And I have a team, so I – can delegate and I intellectually know how to delegate. But there are still many times where I just feel like, no, I'm the one that has to do this. And so for the last nine months, one of the big tasks on my list has been to find a new CRM tool and to get all of the systems there way more automated. And so I've done all of the research for that. And I I finally choose a tool and I chose this tool in February. And then I'm like, and it is my job to get this set up. Well, it is, I am not an automations expert. And even if I were, I have a lot of other responsibilities in this business. And so every single day I was feeling like I was failing the business and I was messing up because I wasn't moving things forward as quickly as I needed to be. And I felt like I was just failing the business for months Truly months. And then I realized I can hire someone who's an expert in this to do this. And it will probably be cheaper than me needing to put all of my time into this. It's certainly going to be better for my mental health. And okay, I might not understand how every single piece exactly functions, but the fact of the matter is, is that I don't really need to. Uh, and so I think that's my more recent fuck up that I'm still kind of sort of, you know, processing <laughs> processing through actively.
0: I guess you're not alone Emma everybody <laughs> who's doing business have, have has the same like i would say um, direction <laughs> of of behaving so
1: yeah <laughs>
0: but but the main question is which CRM tool did you choose then
1: yeah so well first thing what i learned is there is no perfect tool out there True. so nothing is going to do everything that you want it to do but i decided on active campaign um, because it checked enough of the main boxes that we needed checking. And then we're able to uh, integrate it with a lot of the other tools. Because I think that's the, one of the challenges when you have a tool stack is it's not just about what's the best tool to do that thing, but how does that tool function in the ecosystem of the other tools that you have? And... If you don't want to rebuild everything, which is a really large project, then that's also going to influence things. And so, Active Campaign plays friendly with a lot of the other tools that we have, and so it seems like a natural, easier thing to fit into um, in into what we um, are currently working with. So we can actually have something up and running in a reasonable amount of time
0: and now you were talking about your cm so that's the perfect bridge for the next <laughs> question or to the next question emma um you have a company called marketing by emma and you provide a service maybe you want to tell the people again what is the service about and how they can reach out to you and so on and so forth so please this stage is yours Thank
1: you. So as I've mentioned um, in the beginning of this conversation today, we are an e-commerce copywriting firm. And one of our specialties, as you may or may not have picked up on throughout this um, live, is that we really understand the intricacies of Amazon inside and out. So while we do marketing writing for Shopify stores and for inserts and for all of those things... Where we can really shine is helping products stand out uh, in the competitive landscape that is Amazon. Uh, So we help businesses create the product pages. We can help conduct keyword research and really figure out a strategic direction to take so that even if you are selling in a... In a category that has hundreds of other competitors, we can still help you be successful in that category. And one of the things that we would be happy to offer is a free listing analysis. So if you are not sure if your listing is written well or if it's doing what it needs to or maybe you think it's amazing and you just want a gold star from somebody to tell you that you're doing everything right, we, we would do that too. So, we're happy to take a look at your listing and just give you some feedback about the observations that we have. And then, of course, if you would like our help with that, then we would be happy to uh, explore that in more depth. So, if you'd like a free listing analysis, you can go to slash free analysis. And marketingbyemma.com is also where you can find uh, all the things that you might want to know about who we are, about the services that we offer, all of the pricing is there, uh, as well as all. All of our contact details so whether you prefer email or whatsapp or phone it's all there
0: <laughs> thank you very much so we share the link in, this, uh, in the description or in the comments um yeah thank you very much for this great and fun conversation it's it's nice to have a different point of view outside outside uh, from outside of Europe. So it's. Uh, I guess uh, there were some special insights where we could learn a lot. Um, I want to thank the people which uh, are watching or we're watching or will watch the stream. Um, my name is Anton Herrmann. I wish you a great weekend. And the last words are, as always, uh, for the guest, Emma.
1: Oh, last words. Uh, thank you so much. Please, I love answering any and all questions that you might have. So if there's ever anything that we can help with, please do not be shy about reaching out.